Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Beth Brook, the co-chair of Verity Now. Beth is a prominent voice around the world on diversity and inclusion, including most predominantly with the LGBT community and women. She has been named 11 times in the list of Forbes' world's 100 most powerful women. Today, Beth is working towards equality and safety standards in the transportation industry. In the United States, women are over 17% more likely to die and 73% more likely to be seriously injured in a vehicle crash than men. Verity Now, which stands for Vehicle Equity Rules in Transportation, unites people to fight for equality in vehicle safety by educating on and advocating for crash testing standards that protect men and women equally to make cars safer for everyone. Please visit veritynow.org, that's V-E-R-I-T-Y now.org, and find out how you can get involved in this important consideration for female, women, and girls' health, wellness, and safety. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. This is a fantastic topic that I often get asked about in terms of where's femtech in everyday life? And this is a topic I normally bring up. So I'm really grateful that I'm not just citing an article anymore, that I have a human and a whole interview about it. It's going to be so awesome. Um, but before we jump into the meat of our interview and the topic, we'd love to learn a little bit about you first. You know, our listeners are students, they're aspiring entrepreneurs, so they love to meet, you know, people to look up to and so and learn about their journey. So tell us a little bit about where you're from, where are you calling us from today, and what, what is your journey that brought you here to be the co-chair of Verity, Verity Now? Well, I'm, I'm uh, talking to you from Pennsylvania, which is where I live, not far out of New York City. Um, but I would, you know, who am I? I? I would say that I'm someone who just has always tried to make a difference for things that matter. Uh, and that's probably what has brought me um, here to talk to you as co-chair of Verity Now, is trying to use my platform to make a difference on things that matter. Um, I've developed that kind of platform over the years of experience. I was uh, at EY, Ernst & Young. I was the global vice chair of public policy in the kind of latter half of my career. I worked in the government for the Clinton administration back in the 90s. Um, I now serve on several public company and private company and nonprofit boards. But the common sort of consistent thread through all of that was my commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. It was always sort of my night job. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of inequity. I've lived a lot of inequity, and I'm really tired of inequity. So I'm really thrilled to, to co-chair Verity now. You're incredible. You are someone who's likely paved the way for a lot of us 
um, and what we're working on, you know, because, you know, talking about sex-based healthcare innovation, you know, it needed a lot of conversations before people could even digest what the heck I was talking about, (laughs) you know, in terms of female-specific solutions. So thank you for uh, broadening people's eyes that we are all different and have different needs and capacities. And so you've you've likely laid down a lot of groundwork for us to do the work we're doing. Um, What is Verity now? Well, it's it's a little bit of an odd acronym. It stands for Vehicle Equity Rules in Transportation Now. We do need to do it now. So it's an organization that advocates for equality in vehicle safety standards, um, pure and simple. When was it started? Yeah, it was actually started in 2020. But what's what's crazy, Brittany, is I think, and I'm sure on on Femtech, you you've talked about this extensively, is that we all know that cars are have been designed by men for men um, over the years. We know that. Well, the same thing is true for vehicle safety standards. They are designed by men for men, and they actually use a man, meaning they use a male crash test dummy in the vehicle vehicle safety standards. Um, It's sort of crazy to think that. I know that before I got involved in Verity Now, when I go to a car dealership to buy a car, I never gave a second thought to the fact that the vehicle safety standards were designed for me, but they're not. They're designed for men. And you know, it, seven. If if you're a woman, which you and I are, we are seventy three percent more likely to be injured severely in a car crash, and we're seventeen percent more likely to die just because we're women, just because the safety standards are not designed for us. Um, that to me uh, is is just unconscionable. And and why is that? Well, it's because you and I have we have different muscular skeletal structures, um, because of the size and style of our body, we may sit closer to the, to the steering wheel. I mean, there's just a variety of reasons why. Um, so why, why would we care about this? I mean, we, ca- we would care because on the road we are 73% more likely to be injured and 17% more likely to die. And, and I will tell you that when women hear that, they're, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. I had no idea. And that's why Verity now exists. It's to educate and to advocate for change. So the thing that I um, thank you for those statistics, this is, you know, again, that is the, that's what I usually bring up. I'm like, seatbelts aren't made for us. And people are like, oh my God, I didn't really think about that. And, you know, the thing that people most often relate to is when a woman is pregnant, like, does the belt go above her belly? Does it go under the belly? Does it go around the belly? But I, so I think that pregnant women have had some experience like, oh, wait, I don't think this is made for me because none, none of these options seem right. Um, but when we say all female anatomy is in jeopardy, like, I think people all start to be like, what? So can you kind of break down a little bit? Like, what is it about the seatbelt in a female anatomy? Like, are our breasts in the way? Are our hips like you know, not aligned with the bottom belts as well, or like, or is it less about the seatbelt and more about like the position in the car? Like you said, the airbag, steering wheel, things like that. Can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah. I mean, I'm not an engineer, but this, this isn't about seatbelt. I mean, this is, this is about, you know, the fact that our bodies are, are very different, not just size wise, but also 
just the, the, the density of our muscle mass, our skeletal structures, many of the um, uh, severe injuries in, 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 for women is whiplash. And it's because oh. of that very different, um, you know, sort of neck structure. And so the fact that you've got a male crash test dummy, and, and it, this all started back in the 70s when, when crash test dummies were first required, and then they woke up and go, oh, well, women do ride in cars. And then they created a, what I call a mini male. So it's, it's a male crash test dummy, just a little bit smaller. Well, that doesn't do the trick. Our legs are very different. We sit closer to the, to the steering wheel, the whiplash problem. And, and the technology exists today. There is now a female crash test dummy, and it has sensors to your question has sensors in the legs, has sensors in different parts where you really can test the, the, the damage done to a, an actual female body. Um, it's not a mini male. That is not who we are. And that doesn't work. And when we lose 1,300 more women each year, uh, just because we're still testing men in the driver's seat. And so if that exists, this, this female dummy, why is it not being used? <laughs> Good question. That's the $64,000 question. Um, and you would think, well, it's caught up in Congress. This is a right versus a left issue. No, it's a life versus death issue. And Congress isn't even needed to be involved. The Department of Transportation and NHTSA, um, which is under the Department of Transportation, can change this rule with the stroke of a pen doesn't require legislation, doesn't require Congress, although Congress is very supportive. We, in fact, we had a 66 members of Congress wrote a letter to Secretary Buttigieg at the Department of Transportation and asked him to change this rule. Um, and uh, it's a deafening silence. In fact, the Department of Transportation just came out with a new strategy all about vehicle safety. And, you know, with great interest, you pick up the strategy and go, I can't wait, can't wait to see what they're going to do for women. Don't even acknowledge this issue exists. It's stunning. Do you have any like hypotheses as to why? Because it sounds like, okay, we got the pieces, like we all care, like why, why is it still not happening? Like, is it more expensive for car companies to like go back and redo their stuff? So they're lobbying against it. That's the only thing I can come up with. And I don't, I don't work in this industry though. So what do you think is the underlying issue? You're exactly right, Brittany. It's the first place I went mentally. I'm like, oh, this must add a lot of cost. And that's why there would be pushback against it. Best, best we can tell, it'd be less than a dollar a car. Less than a dollar a car. So cost can't be the issue. Um, inertia, unwillingness to want to change, understand that. Um, I have heard arguments that, well, autonomous vehicles are coming. Maybe that'll make you know cars more safe. No, no, it's it's not. That's not going to be the answer. Um, are is there various um, virtual reality testing that can be done? You know, maybe someday, ten years from now. But the computer loads to do that, the processing cap capacity to do that, will take many, many years. So. There, there. I have heard no good answers as to why we don't just change the rule. Um, you before you said that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. What what is sixty-four thousand dollars? Oh, just I mean that's just term of art of that's like okay. a magical question everybody asks. Okay. Like, <laughs> why doesn't this change? And it's like I, you know, there's there's just no good. There's just really no good reason. 
But the answer is always, we need to do more research. We need to do more research. I'd like to know who's getting all the research grants because somebody's benefiting a lot from more research. But more research doesn't produce any results that say this isn't a problem and that there is bias, very clear bias in vehicle safety standards. Um, they just did, um, NHTSA just did, came out with some more research to show that uh, deaths in car crash are actually going up. I think it was 10.5% over this past year that fatalities actually went up, which just means the problem is getting worse for, for women. I mean, it's, those aren't women's deaths. Those are male and female yeah, deaths, yeah. but they're going up. So women, even more women are dying. It's yeah. Is this the problem around the world in all cars or just U.S. cars? It's great. That's a great question. Europe actually is going to require the use of this female crash test dummy that does exist, uh, as is Asia. So um, the rest of the world's you know, gotten with the program, understands the technology is there to address this inherent bias and, and are doing something about it while the U.S. does nothing. And now a quick word from our sponsors. So you've heard the story of the birds and the bees, right? Well, I'm happy to tell you there's a brand new chapter. I'm talking about Mosey, the first and only syringe designed for insemination at home. Mosey has been proven as effective as doctor-administered inner uterine insemination, or IUI. People have been saving thousands of dollars by using Moby's baby kit at home insemination, since it only costs $50 per attempt. That's $50, five zero per attempt. Please learn more about how Mosey's patented design works and read some of the thousands of fertility and pregnancy success stories on their website. Go to www.moseybaby.com. That's Mosey, M-O-S-I-E, baby.com. And now back to the interview. When I see commercials uh, for cars, there's one in particular, um, I can't even remember which car company it was, so it doesn't even matter, but it was like, you know, a man reflecting on how his family is safe, his wife and his daughter, because they were almost in a car crash, but the safety of the car was so good. And he's like reflecting and they're like, if you want your family to be safe, like buy our car, right? And when I started to hear about these statistics, I now watch that commercial with like, give me a break, you know, like I, because none of those, like the, the trophies they get and the stars they get based on safety, like those are all based on the male standard then. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and it really is um, disheartening to think that, you know, we go to car dealerships, buy a car and we think they, that they have been designed with our safety in mind. And mm-hmm. um, I think women are actually just stunned by this. Uh, and they've been weighing in. Uh, NCAP, they've had a comment period um, through which, you know, they put out some things and they're asking for comments. And they've gotten a ton of comments on this issue. Uh, and because, because of Verity now, frankly, is starting to help people understand there is an issue that they weren't even aware of. What do you anticipate changes in the car would look like potentially with female anatomy in mind? Do you think like seats would change or the seatbelt itself or like, do you have any ideas? You know, I, that, that I don't. Um, yeah. And I, I doubt you and I would probably even notice it. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you know, you think about your, your airbag and things like that. Do you, do you, I mean, I don't know what it looks like. I don't, right. <laughs> I think it's yeah. white. Let's hope we never know what it looks show. like. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't want to know what it looks like. 
Yeah. You mentioned in the beginning of our call of a, like, um, that cars in general are just not made for females. Right. And then they said, Oh wait, women, they're, they're getting in, they're getting in besides the safety part is what other, um, components of a vehicle one may think, Oh yeah, this is just how it is. But once you dissect it, you see it's actually optimized for males. Like, is there anything that like where the knobs are or the width of things or the height of things or, that are maybe all optimized for a male anatomy versus female? Well, I, I think it goes from what I've understand and read, it goes more back to just the, the usage and design of, mm-hmm. so yes, where, how does the door open? How does, you know, like they've been designed by men. Um, and so features even that, a, that a woman might prefer, you know, had, had been neglected until, the automakers started having more women engineers. And I think that the automakers have done a, you know, a much better job of um, incorporating women, women engineers in the design of cars so that the features and function also respond to the wants and needs of women as well as men. And, you know, interesting 60, I think it was in 2018. um, It's the latest statistic I have 62% of car purchases were made by women, 62%. And women actually in 2018 had two and a half million more driver's license than men. Yet DOT and NHTSA are still focused on protecting men. Yes. I mean, it's just so crazy. What um, do you think that like if a woman got in a car accident and she like sued the safety board, like that would allow this to at least have attention and a conversation or... I never thought about that. I don't have the bandwidth or the emotional stamina for it. But, you know, sometimes I feel like these lawsuits are a way that, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of topics that I don't agree with the direction that they're trying to go to. But like, you know, it's almost a way to get the attention, force the attention. Right. Um, well, well, they probably sue the automaker, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the automakers complying with the law as it exists. That's yeah. right. So there is no lawsuit, right? Because this isn't even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that kills that idea. We're just brainstorming re- on record, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of what can we do? What can our listeners do to contribute to this? Is there a petition somewhere? Is there letters we can write? What can we do? Absolutely. I would say um, go to the veritynow.org website. Um, and if you, there's a backslash veritynow.org backslash take action and click on that to, to learn more about the issue, to weigh in, to add your voice, to add your name. Um, you can also, you know, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and, and um, you know, get more updates and look for ways to get involved. And also, you know, if you're a Twitter user, just tweet the secretary at, at you know, tweet Secretary Buttigieg um, and ask him to make the change. Um, right. You know, that's going to tweet for him. Yeah, totally. That's the way things happen. Um, when I mentioned earlier about the the pregnancy and where the seatbelt lies, do, have you, you know, just being in this field, have you heard of anyone creating any solutions for that, for where... First of all, do you know where the belt's supposed to go on the belly of the woman of the abdomen when she's pregnant? And second, do you know of anyone working on a potential solution for what's actually the safest? You know, I wish I did. I don't. Um, but I'm sure that, I mean, seatbelts are an issue for sure. Uh, and it's an area where there needs to be innovation around that. Um, 
I thought that there had been, but perhaps not. I, I but I do know, yeah, you're in you, pregnant women, the seatbelts don't work. They just don't. I mean, you go to Target, Walmart, you go to the baby section, you know, I, my sister had a baby. So I'm, you know, often in that area buying little gifts. I've never seen a like, oh, and here's your seatbelt thing for when you're pregnant, you know, like, so obviously it's not mainstream. Um, no. what, if there is any solutions out there. Are there um, crash test dummy babies? Um, no, not that I'm aware of, but this, this is an issue that is just not a woman's issue. The, the, there are similar disparities for the elderly and for the young, to your point, um, because different body types. And, um, so it's, so, a, it's like a, you know, quote unquote Caucasian. I mean, crash test dummies don't have a race, right? But they have a weight and they have a circumference, right? And so it, it's standard for what kind of a male? For a very standard, you know, I think it's 170, 100, 170, 190 pound male. I mean, it's just, um, and the, the, the skeletal muscular structure is just very different. Like this, the female crash test, I mean, it's called the Thor fifth that exists, you know, that sensors in the legs, which is where a lot of the, um, a lot of the severe injury for women come in the legs, in that neck, and, you know, all, all the different sensors that, that can provide that in a very different way than again on a male body where it's just a completely different test. This is it's just mind boggling. Um, you know, do you know of other types of everyday safety standards that are based on males and, and females have been neglected or not included? Well, I think some of the most obvious ones are the firefighters, you know, the, the PPE, protective equipment mm-hmm. for firefighters, designed for men, um, you know, not, not designed at all for a woman. So when they go into a fire wearing, you know, clothing that doesn't fit, um, gloves that don't, you know, like, and you're trying to fight a fire, uh, the risk to your own body is greatly enhanced um, because of that. The same is true in the um, uh, oil and mining industry, you know, the the equipment that women wear out on the oil barges and um, and in the mines, you know, it's, it's designed for men. So you're going into very dangerous work wearing protective equipment that's not designed for your body. Um, I know that um, protective equipment certain, uh, is not optimized for females in space. So we know about like there was a supposed to be a few years ago, an all female spacewalk and they couldn't do it because they didn't have enough female spacesuits. Um, and so, but I didn't think about the everyday safety of the firefighters and, um, maybe even like, what about like bulletproof vests? Maybe I'm just trying to think of like all the things that are like, um, societal, you know, predominantly male roles that therefore like the manufacturing is just easier to make them in one size, you know, and women suffer the consequences. Well, and I think there's a whole proliferation of research. Um, in various industries that is done using primarily men in the, in the, stu- in the clinical trials or in the study. So, you know, the pharmaceutical drug trials are notoriously designed, you know, for men. Um, but even there's been even some recent um, talk about sports training, training, training in, for instance, youth sports, uh, which has been primarily oriented around men in the, in the research so that, how we are 
physiology, you know, the physiology of training our, our young athletes has been more designed with men in mind than with the women bodies and women's bodies in mind. So who knows what all we've built into the system incorrectly with the bias. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue, right? It's so deep. It's so such um, foundational, you know, understanding. I talk about this as a scientist myself, I used cell lines in basic scientific research, and I never questioned if they were XY or XX chromosome cells, you know, and now I look back and I'm like, I'm part of the problem. Like, I didn't consider that variable ever. I didn't even think about it because I was under, you know, trained by an HHMI funded neuroscientist who was widely regarded worldwide. And so like, he didn't bring it up. You know, so I didn't bring it up. And um, but there's plenty of examples of that with me as a scientist where I was essentially replicating the same issues. But, you know, like he I remember we were studying uh, Alzheimer's and he was one of the first professors to tell me this is over 10 years ago. So hopefully he's updated it, his statements. But he would say, you know, well, women are, you know, twice as likely to get Alzheimer's because they live longer. And like somebody finally did the math and it's pretty back of the napkin, easy math. Like we're taking pictures of black holes now. It's not that hard. Like it's much easier math. They figured out women living longer does not equate to twice as likely for Alzheimer's. Like there's an actual biological something happening and we still don't know what, but like 10 years ago, he said like, yep, women have it because they live longer. And I just said, okay, you know, as a student and just put it in my brain and I needed to relearn it later. And so there's probably, you know, I always like to give benefit of the doubt. Like people aren't naturally just walking around being like, ha ha, so glad women are suffering. You know, like it's, it's these micro things that all add up to these huge problems. Well, your, your Alzheimer's story reminds me about an argument I've heard in this vehicle crash uh, that, well, but men are dying. And, and a lot of men die. Well, a lot of men die because they drink too much, because they do this. They, you know, like, I mean, there are, there are reasons why men die often in car crashes. Uh, that doesn't mean that women don't need to be protected. Then I've heard stories about, well, women buy cars that are more susceptible to major injury. They buy smaller cars. Therefore, that's why women get injured more. It's like, you know... That's just ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, um, it's the, you know, it's the mindset of, oh, equality means I'll get less. And it's, that's not what we're saying. We're like, no, no, no. Keep the male crash dummies, but please put a female anatomy in there too. Like, come on. That's right. right? We're, we're not, not saying don't yeah. have a male crash dummy. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Um, Beth, this has been such an interesting conversation. We're going to put the action items in our show notes for everybody, but we do have two last questions that our listeners really appreciate. We have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Um, I think the sports area is really, really interesting. I do. I think it's a, a pretty undiscovered area for women. Um, for health and wellness. Um, and, uh, you know, personally, I'd love to, to see more femtech research in that. But in the PPE area, it's just, there's tons of it. Um, you know, whether it's the vehicle safety, the firefighters, the oil and mining, the, I mean, you name it, it's been designed with a man in mind, you can guarantee it. And so I think having, you know, more women engineers, more women entrepreneurs um, who see 
the problem from a different angle, who will therefore identify the needs, and then having more women in finance so that we can get the capital to these women engineers and women entrepreneurs. Um, I just, you know, that's, I, I think it's, it's, it's ripe for change. <laughs> yes, yeah. And we are not niche. So it is going to be a very cap, like, uh, lucrative opportunity, right? Um, very. One thing I recently learned about women in sports is uh, I think it's called the Z score, which is that when women are menstruating and our our hip angle changes slightly, which affects our knee angle. And so they've actually shown in research that women are our females are statistically significantly more likely to have a knee injury while menstruating playing sports because that angle change. And it's just like, whoa, that's crazy. Like maybe girls should be going to the, you know, um, what is that? The trainer's office, you know, and getting their knees wrapped during menstruation week so that they're preserving their health, you know, in order to last longer in their sport versus like, oh, this is the week that like <laughs> she's at risk, you know, but no one, no one knew, no one questioned it. No one supported, no one prevented it, even though we knew. That's exactly the issue that I was referring to in the sports development. Yeah, it's, you know, nobody has studied that before, but we should be treating women differently because of that. Uh, as trainers, as, you know, as strength coaches, it should all be different. Yes. Yeah. The other interesting female workout one I recently learned was um, that for osteoporosis, it's weight bearing is better than like hard cardio um, for women to strengthen their muscles around their bones. And so just another, like, yeah, no one taught me that like (laughs) in all of my gym phys ed classes, no one ever said, and then ladies, when you turn 45, you should start to like prioritize weight bearing activities, you know, because like no one's told me that no one's told us. So yeah, a lot of work there. So listeners, fitness, health, getting our bodies out there, because if women are injured, we're probably not getting out and moving our bodies. And then we're going to be at risk for obesity or diabetes. And the list continues. You know, that's something we talk about with urinary incontinence that like, you know, some investors or individuals will say, well, you're peeing a little bit like that's not a big deal. But it is if you pee a little bit when you run or exercise and it makes you avoid doing that. And therefore you become stationary and then everything else builds up. Right. So um, the, the other area that I would say could use some innovation from women and, and a focus is sleep. I think that's yes. a, a big Huge. category. Insomnia, it's way, 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 way disproportionately affects females versus males because sleep has a lot to do with hormones. And so, um, again, I only know this because this is what I do full time and I read stuff and I talk to very interesting people like yourself, but sleep is huge. And I actually did a a recent little like side project consulting gig trying to look at uh, insomnia apps and they're all dual sex. They're all for everybody. Um, So we really do lack female specific solutions. So listeners, we need sleep. Help us get it. Okay. Um, and then our last question, Beth, is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole, the women's health innovation industry as a whole, needs the most right now in order to be successful? Um, well, I think just a, a, a broad understanding that women's unique needs have been overlooked for far too long. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like DNI 101 is an acknowledgement of the value of women and that our needs have been overlooked for far too long. And so, you know, I think femtech is a is an incredible movement, frankly, to help ensure that, you know, women are considered 
in what you and I were just talking about, research, design, the development process for new products, for new policies, for whatever, um, that, that women are considered and that we have unique needs that need to be met. I, I recently I, gave a TEDx Pfizer talk and it was only to Pfizer employees. So sorry, listeners, you cannot watch it, but I'll give the talk some, in some other platform and you'll be able to watch the talk. But what I can share is that um, when it aired, it was virtual and pre-recorded, And so I could see the chats coming in, the comments. And these are Pfizer employees from around the world. And people were commenting, wow, I'm going to look at my data differently now. Like, whoa, I'll always be considering sex as a variable now. And I just want, I mean, that's the point. And I'm so happy and proud. Also felt like throwing my computer out the window because I was like, you're Pfizer. You're Pfizer. like, I shouldn't have to be the one to be like, hey, FYI, like women are not little men. Like you should consider that in your biological experiments. Like it all, it's so it's like. Oh God, it just kind of gave, I was like, yeah, I got to do this forever. But until you shine a spotlight on it, just like vehicle safety, nobody knows it. Nobody Nobody thinks about it. The people at Pfizer don't think, you know, it's, that's why we have to keep advocating and educating. You work a lot in the government and do they know the word femtech? (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not sure a lot of people understand what femtech really is. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, the more, that's why I love what you do. Um, we need to continue to give more profile, uh, to, to, to this. Um, yes. Yes. And, and to get women to, to be inspired, to aspire, to be innovative, um, problem solvers, entrepreneurial in this space, like, you know, like we were talking about sleep, there is just such a plethora of opportunity there for women uh, to make a difference. Well, over 80% of our founders are female. And, uh, you know, we do see a correlation between women and entering STEM and innovations in women's health. And so we do believe there's a correlation with women feeling empowered enough and having the skill sets to be like, wait, wait, this is the standard of care. Uh -uh, I'm going to change it. I'm going to make a solution. But you're absolutely right. We need we need more and we need um, women to have the resources. They need funding. They need child care. They, you know, they need supportive partners or parents or families and friends that can help fund their early idea, you know, because so many women are stuck in a cycle of caregiving for everybody else that they don't have the bandwidth to make their own solution. So we need to support women hundred percent. And um, I was going to, oh, and if you're not entrepreneurial, maybe you're listening being like, oh God, I don't ever want to make a pitch deck. That's okay. Write a blog, you know, or sit at your team meeting and next time they talk about a new idea, say, hey, what about a, fe- a female version? Is this optimized for females? So like you can do the job in any capacity. Um, you don't always have to be kind of a kooky, crazy entrepreneur like myself. Uh, and then and then pay attention to the power of the purse, where you spend money, where mm. you, you know, vote with your feet, so, you know, and, and just pay attention to whether you're using your own ecosystem in the most influential way so that your voice is heard on these matters. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. You're doing such important work. I'm so glad I have an episode now to send people to um, when they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, mm-hmm, episode number, whatever. <laughs> you got to listen to it. So thank you, Beth, for doing uh, all that you do. And we are going to get behind you and support however we can. Thank you, Brittany, for all that you do. I appreciate it.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Beth Brook, the co-chair of Verity Now. Please visit veritynow.org to find out how you can get involved in this important consideration for female, women, and girls, health, wellness, and safety. Alrighty, Femme fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other Femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a Fem Pro member for only $15 a month and get access to our assets, such as the Femtech Company Database and our self-guided Femtech Accelerator. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech Book Club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring monthly donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. <laughs>